0: Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. I mean, if not now, when? I have a good friend of mine that uh, I've ministered with many times over the years. His name is David Herzog. When I think of David Herzog, I think Jewish, love for the Jew in Israel, the glory of God. And, uh, you know, David, I'm I'm having the thought, I I believe it's in Romans 9, it says, we owe a debt of gratitude to the Jewish people. And then it lists a number of reasons. And one of the reasons, it says, of them is the glory. Have you ever pondered on that?
1: Yeah, I believe that the Jews have somehow in in their DNA— a realm of the glory of God that comes out because in our DNA is the record of everything our ancestors did and have good and bad and they have a record in their history and bloodline of the glory their bloodline has been impacted by the glory of God probably more than any other race
0: and, and but but I still feel that there is co- kind of like a co-mingling of the glory on a gentile Christian and the glory on a Jewish believer in Jesus and when the two, and it's like the two are incomplete until the two are commingled to make a full dwelling place of God by his spirit. Or, as Jesus said, you'll do the same works I have done when he talked to the Jewish believers. And he said, and even greater, looking forward to the time, there'd be this mingling of spiritual DNA of the Jew and the Gentile.
1: I totally agree with you. In fact, I've noticed Jewish people that minister, that when they go to other countries or go to other races, they see the most incredible, incredible things. Lately, he gave me a similar revelation of what you just said. And a couple years ago, he told me, now, I want you as a Jewish person to go to the Arabs. When those two mingle together, it really will explode, and the fruit will be awesome. So I started going to Muslim countries being Jewish, and I saw just different harvests, different levels of glory that I wouldn't see anywhere else.
0: Well, I happen to believe the greatest representation of the one new man on planet Earth today is a Jew and a Muslim, one new creation, one new man, one new being in Jesus. Amen. Uh, Okay, David, I want to take you back for those especially that aren't that familiar with you. uh, Back around bar mitzvah time, age 13, uh, you had an encounter uh, in the spirit realm that changed your life forever. Tell me about that.
1: It was amazing. I was at this uh, Summary of God youth camp in Arizona, Prescott, Arizona. And they said, if you want the Holy Spirit, come on up. So there's a big, big line. You wait in line and you make your way towards the altar and they pray for you and things happen. And as I was waiting to get to the front... The guy in front of me already started speaking in tongues. We weren't even halfway up there. And he starts crying and weeping, and I didn't know what it was. So I, thought, so I said, you know, I'm only 13. My friend is crying. He's a guy, right? I said, are you okay? Does it hurt? What does it feel like? Is it painful? I had no idea. He goes, no, no, it's wonderful. I said, then why are you crying? I couldn't understand. So I just lifted my hands waiting for it. And soon enough, the power of God hit me. It was like a warmth that went all over my body. And I started speaking in tongues before they even prayed for me. And then instantly I was taken up to heaven, and I was taken to the throne.
0: Now, before that point, I'm just curious. Before that point, had you ever had something where God literally came upon you in a tangible fashion like that?
1: No, because I I got saved at 10 years old, and I kept questioning my salvation. I said, there's got to be more than this. This is good, but how come I don't have power? And, of course, I was living in a town where, they had, where there was a lot of new-age people that claimed to levitate and do all these things. So I was telling my mother, Mom, there's got to be more. How come they have that and we have no power? I would ask my Sunday school teacher. I would get in trouble
0: Yeah, You know, that's an honest, fair question, and I think more Christians have to ask that question. Why do so many New Agers move in power, and so many Christians are fighting the devil with both arms tied behind their back because they're more interested in tradition than the Word of God?
1: Exactly. And and I got my study school teacher upset with me because he said I was bothering the class by asking those kind of questions. It wasn't a spirit church at the time, and they called my mom in and told me, your son is asking questions about are bothersome. Just tell him he's saved, and that's it. So we changed churches and eventually went to that youth camp, and it changed my life. All right,
0: tell me what happened. I'm really curious because I see how you are today. I see what you're doing today, but that is the beginning. And I want to trace how you got to be walking in what I consider some of the most outrageous miracles on the planet. I mean, I got a report that you were recently at a meeting, and a friend of mine was at the same meeting, and he literally saw someone with gray hair, their hair change color on the spot. Uh, But but you even are involved in more outrageous things than that. Uh, You have people without hair, that when the glory invades, they get the – hair starts growing. In fact, your own father that happened to.
1: Yeah, it did. That was in the Denver revival we had in '08. But even last week, the one that you're mentioning, there was another man also in that meeting that had bald hair, and his hair began to grow also in, up there in Moravian um, a week ago.
0: Okay, I'm going to go back to my question. I'm, I, I have not forgotten it about that experience David had, but I want your opinion on something. When the glory hits because i've been at your meetings and i've seen this, when the glory hits, and you proclaim what the Spirit of God is telling you the, these things happen. Why does it happen for some people and not for all? What is your explanation
1: well, why do some people receive miracles or why do some people... yeah
0: why when the glory's there, and you proclaim that word, and they all look like they're believing to me as I look around. Uh, why is it that some get their miracles, but uh, the majority don't get their gray hair turned brown, <laughs> their bald head, hair growing? What is the, what's the common denominator, or is there a common denominator? I don't know.
1: <laughs> it, that's an interesting question. Well, I noticed two patterns. There's, there's either the people, when they testify, will say, like, when they lose 30 pounds in a meeting, we have seen weight loss, and they say, I was expecting all week long, I brought my smaller jeans, from school and I got my miracle so you have those the very very de- desperate full of faith then I see the others that like the guy who had the white hair he didn't believe it he, he wasn't even there to get a miracle he well didn't. that's
0: outrageously unfair <laughs> the guy didn't have any faith
1: because <laughs> I think that I, I think knows a difference that some of these signs and wonders God will put for the unbeliever he's a believer ah. but not and, and I've seen atheists get gold teeth in France that completely don't believe God exists And so I've noticed that God will use signs and wonders to win the lost that don't know him. Or for believers, I noticed when they're really full of faith and desperate, more of those kind of Christians are getting the miracles. And the ones who have almost no faith at all, because this man that got his, he's a doctor, so his mind is trained to not believe, and he's also an ambassador to another country. So he kept saying are you sure this is happening? Is this really happening? And the whole crowd was screaming, look at your hair.
0: Uh, You you know what amazes me, and it's right in line with what you're saying, David, the people that have a major miracle happen, I hear many of them say, I knew when I would come to this meeting, I'd be healed. I don't hear them say, "I, I was really believing for it. They say, I knew I was going to be. That's faith.
1: Yeah, that's what I've noticed. And even in the fifties revivals, people would come from across the country to go to these tent meetings, and they just knew they were going to get healed. The ones that got healed, and then you got the unbelievers or Christians that just never really had faith for miracles, and God will use the signs
0: to. Or, or, Or the Christians that that have been in the way. Uh, for 30 years. I do mean in the way. Uh, for 30 years and not seen anything. They believe. They know God heals. They've seen enough miracles, but they're in unbelief and they don't even realize they're in unbelief.
1: Sometimes they've been vaccinated against it because they've seen so much of it. I was in London. It was a 1,500 people and an atheist man got out of his wheelchair, paralyzed, and started running. And at the end of the meeting, a Christian came to me and said, oh, when are you, you going to pray for my goiter? It was like midnight by that time. And I said, I called that out. Why didn't you come up when God was moving? Oh, I don't know. I just thought I'd wait till after I meet you at the door when you leave the room. And I said, I can pray for you now, but... should have came when the glory was at the peak when everybody was getting healed
0: yeah it's people don't understand but one of the thing dave one thing that david does and i'm sure the holy spirit showed him to do it is when the glory invades and he starts hearing what god wants to do in the midst of the glory he speaks it out and then he tells people to run around the auditorium, I mean, not you don't have to run like a track star, but you just, you kind of run. And what, what you're doing, it's obvious to me, David, is you're getting an action behind the faith.
1: Exactly. Just some kind of action. Most of the time, Jesus, Yeshua would say, oh, do this, do that. Go wash your eyes. Go, pick up your bed and walk. Most of the time, there was an action. Now, you don't have to do that, but I noticed the percentage of miracles go up by like 100% or 80%. When I get everybody doing something, then just everybody just sitting there waiting for me to make it happen on them.
0: Uh, David, on tomorrow's broadcast, I want to start out what happened when you were 13 years of age. Uh, you, you spoke in tongues, but something way beyond that happened. You went up to the throne room. But uh, tell me about your book. Glory Invasion. This is the revised version, uh, which has this marvelous 40-day devotional in it. Uh, But tell me what feedback you're getting from your book, Glory Invasion.
1: Oh, People reading the book and getting, first of all, they're not just reading it and learning. They're getting heavenly encounters, they tell me. I have people reading the book, getting taken to heaven, getting signs and wonders. I have ministers reading the book. And suddenly when they go minister, they understand how to move in and create miracles, how to work with the angels, uh, just people reading the book. Well, one lady read the book. She was on your show, actually, before she was in full-time ministry. She, she read the book, came to my meeting in Phoenix, didn't know how to pray for her mom in a wheelchair. And then when she read the book, she goes, ah, now I know how to pray. I get in the glory. The body parts can obey my word. They, they hear me. Spoke to her mom and she jumped out of the wheelchair. I think it was the Katie Souza that was in our meeting. And then later I hear about her traveling and ministering, but she came to that meeting years ago. She took a Greyhound bus and came all the way to Phoenix.
0: She was hungry. Uh, You know, David, what I love about it is you teach about how the financial miracles increase in the glory, how the healing miracles increase in the glory, how creative miracles increase in the glory, uh, how to be a carrier of the glory, how to remove the limits in your life to operate in the glory, uh, how to pray from your heavenly seat, which is an amazing revelation. And so many people are moving in the glory after reading this book. Uh, and we have a special bonus of two CDs in which you speak the blessings of the glory over people, available for a gift of $30. Call our order only line, 1 800. Four four seven twenty six ninety seven one eight hundred four four seven two six nine seven. David is known as a Jewish believer that walks in the glory of God, and I want to find out from him exactly what the glory of God is, how the glory of God operates, and. How he learned this. I'm going to take you back to age 13, David. And uh, you you went to a youth camp, a spear-filled youth camp. Uh, and were, Now, were you prayed for to speak in supernatural languages, or did it just happen?
1: It just happened. I was supposed to be prayed for. I was waiting on a very long line of hundreds of people to make my way to the front where they pray for you. And before I got there, it already hit me. This warmth came on me. This love, I just felt peace, and I, I started crying a little bit, and then all of a sudden I started speaking in tongues. I had no idea how that was going to happen. It just happened, and then I saw that vision of, I was taken up to uh, heaven, I saw Jesus and the Father, and then I, a voice came and said, you're going to travel, you're going to travel, you're going to travel around the world. So I, that, I had a little inkling, I said, okay, so I'm going to travel, so that I know, and then went to my room, and I couldn't stop speaking in tongues all night. Just, getting these
0: visions. just out of curiosity, uh, I assume you didn't want to, but did you actually try to stop?
1: Uh, not really. It felt so good. You know, you're 13 and you're feeling
0: great. <laughs> all But how's a 13-year-old praying tongues all night? That had to be a highly unusual thing.
1: It was, but it was really, really powerful. Well, that night, a lot of people got the Holy Spirit. It was just amazing. Always wanted to receive it for three years since I was saved. Didn't know how or what finally went to a place where I could get it, and it was just—and my boldness changed. I used to be shy, and suddenly this boldness came on me that I'd never had before, with people, with everything. It, it affected everything.
0: Yeah. Now, you literally were caught up into the throne room, uh, and, and it was a number of years ago. But what did you see? I'd be very curious to know.
1: I saw—well, uh, basically, I saw two seats— where I was, I saw Jesus at the right hand, and I saw the Father. I couldn't make out clearly because it was so bright with the Father, but I knew that was Jesus on the right side. And basically, they were smiling. Jesus was smiling at me, and, and a voice just came and said, "You're going to travel for my glory. You're going to travel." And I was just worshiping and I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, and just tongues, tongues, tongues for hours.
0: Yeah, interesting. God knew what he was saying. You didn't have a clue. You're going to travel for his glory, and you're known as someone that when you speak, the glory of God shows up. Uh, but you didn't have a clue back then. Uh, tell me the first miracle that happened when you prayed for someone that you can remember.
1: Yeah, I was in Sunday school, and they would ask me to teach this little curriculum in our Sunday school in our little town in Sedona. So I would go through the little thing and read the scriptures. they told tell me to read for the kids. And I got bored. I actually got bored doing this every Sunday. So I said, kids, don't tell the pastor, but I'm going to try something different. I'm not going to follow the curriculum. I'm just going to pray for anyone that's sick. And a little girl said, oh, my mom said I have scoliosis. I said, well, let me see. Let's pull out your leg and see how short it is. Because I had seen one time before someone come and do this. And her leg was so much shorter than the other. I said, okay, we're going to pray, guys. Are you ready? And I missed my first miracle because I closed my eyes, and her leg began to grow so fast the kids were screaming, look at the leg, look at the leg. And and her leg grew out, and I missed seeing my first miracle with my own eyes.
0: But what happened to her scoliosis?
1: It was gone. I mean, her leg grew out, and she didn't have a problem after that.
0: What a way to start. You know how I started? I prayed for hundreds, if not thousands, of people, and no one got healed. (laughs) I sure wish I had started the way you did.
1: I guess I needed the encouragement for being so young, you know?
0: Um, uh, Well, uh, let's go back to basics. The glory shows up when you speak. Explain what the glory is.
1: The glory is the closest you can get to being like as if you went to heaven while still being on the earth. You're in a meeting, and you feel this incredible heavenly presence, joy, peace, love. You can feel the angels are there. You're just like, ah, this is heaven on earth. And in that realm, that's when things happen so easily. I always say, on earth as it is in heaven. If you were sick and you went to heaven right now, how long would it take to be healed? It would be instant because in heaven there's no sickness. So when heaven comes down on the earth, in a meeting or just walking down the street, and you pray for somebody, that the the speed at which miracles happen in the glory realm is much faster than they would happen just in regular gifting realm. You you have you have your gift and anointing you have faith, but when you add glory to that, it's glory is the accelerator. Demons come out faster, bodies are healed faster, you sow, you reap faster, everything's faster when it's done in the presence of God's glory.
0: Now, is this just a pure gift from God, or are there some things that you've learned that people can do to walk in that same glory realm?
1: Oh, no, a lot of people, everyone can do this. It's God gave me a revelation of how it operates. And when I've taught this to other people, I've had little kids doing it. One time I was in Ireland, miracle signs, wonders were flowing. And I taught these youth, youth in college age, and everything I knew how to do it. And when that thing was over, they spread all over Ireland and started doing healings, and miracles, and signs, wonders, everything you can think of
0: started happening. Uh, when was the first time you're aware of the fact that when you would speak, this manifest, tangible presence thickness, weightiness of God's presence would show up, his glory.
1: The first time that happened, wow, that's a tough one to think. Uh, going back, I know that it's, it changed when my intimacy with God changed. It, it wasn't just a...
0: All right, Well, then that, that's important to know. Tell me when that was and what you did to cause it to change or, or what occurred.
1: I was living on the mission field in France for 12 years, and we had seen, you know, I had the gift of faith, I had a gift of healing, and I'd pray one-on-one, and I'd say, okay, right now this man will be healed. If he doesn't get healed, then God is not God, and, you know, and God would heal. But I was getting burned out, and I said, Lord, there's got to be more.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, you're triggering another question. Uh, when you would make such a bold statement, were there times when people were not healed?
1: Amazingly enough, I would only do it when I felt led to do it, and when I did it, it always worked. But, but I would never do it carelessly if I didn't...
0: But did you, even if you heard? Did, did you have a degree of trepidation when you have a room full of people that could become a, a mob against you?
1: Oh, big time. I, <laughs> Lord, I think I, I, every time I did it, I'd say, oh my gosh, I think I went out too far on a limb this time. Lord, you got to bail me out of this one. And, and it would, but God would show up, but sometimes it would be really scary.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, so you, you were telling me what was happening in France.
1: Yeah, so I was just desperate. I said, God, there's got to be more. I, I mean, we're winning people, but not at the rate that we need. I, I need to see more of your glory, more of more of your power. And so, basically, I, I took off some time and I just began to fast and pray, and, and I just stopped preaching for a while, stopped ministering, and I said, Lord, if you don't um, touch me with something new, I'll come up there and get it. But I, I don't want to minister anymore, so I just stopped ministering. I just stopped taking. I just locked myself in for a couple months. Three weeks of those of those months, I was fasting and praying, just seeking God, and during that time, worshiping and fasting and praying, and something, something came on me, and then sure enough, uh, we, after that time, we had, I think we took, we had six, I think six weeks off, and the Lord told me, those six weeks that you took off to seek my face led to the six-month revival that you had in Paris, France, the longest-running revival in 50 years.
0: So, now, now, for those that aren't familiar... Paris, France is not known for being a real open spiritual place. In fact, it's known as a graveyard. What happened in Paris?
1: In Paris, France, I told the church to do like what I did. I said, okay, i am come, but I want you to do a fasting and prayer chain, 40 days, because when you fast, something happens in the heavenlies, like Daniel, you know, the angel came and ministered. So I had him do that. I was praying, preparing myself, and then by the time we showed up, The heavens exploded so powerfully. People ran to the altars to be saved. Healings and miracles, signs wonders flow like honey. And a girl was picked up off the ground. Some would call it she levitated, but we'll use the Christian term. She arose, arise and shine. She was picked up off the ground in midair, about 13, I guess someone measured it. They said it was about 13 centimeters in the air, flipped over, still in the air, then came back down to the ground. And she was interceding for souls. She was an intercessor, kind of heavyweight girl too. And the people around were freaked out when they saw it. But it was at that moment that the that, that glory came, and all of a sudden all these people that had suicidal spirits started screaming and getting delivered. So it was amazing, girls being lifted up.
0: Yeah, you know what's coming to me as you're saying that, David? That's a foretaste of the Messiah says uh, that uh, when he returns, he'll return the same way he came. How, how, did, how, how did he, the same way he left, he left By going up in the air in a cloud, and I believe we're going to be seeing more and more people, even people, flying in front of other people, not just dreams.
1: I have dreams of that all the time. I can't wait.
0: Well, it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. That's why you're having those dreams. Uh, But – I. Tell me uh, w- uh, the feedback on your revised book, Glory Invasion. Uh, what do people comment? Is there one particular chapter that people say, boy, that revolutionized my life?
1: Oh, wow. This, well, I just get, there's different chapters that they love. They, they love the first few chapters because what happens is I, ex- I use vocabulary to explain how God's glory moves.
0: I, I have to tell you, when I read that... It, uh, it didn't cause me to believe any more than I believe, but it did give me understanding of what I believe.
1: It, it gives you revelation. For instance, if you're praying for, let's say, a body part to be recreated, and you don't know how to pray, normally you just say, oh, Lord, please do this. But when you have the revelation, you get in the glory, and you realize in, in the book I explained that everything created has atoms and protons and neutrons. Inside that, it's sound waves that God put sound into everything. This is confirmed by science. And those sound waves, God put in Genesis, he put sound, and you command the body part. Modes, come together. Cancer, die. I know you can hear me because you're made of atoms, and inside the atoms there's sound, and I know you can hear me. So you're going straight to the chase, straight to the body part, like Moses spoke to the rock, or God told him to anyway. Ezekiel spoke to the bones, and they came together. Jesus spoke to wind and waves. But once you understand behind the scenes what's going on, it actually helps your faith to go, wait a second, I can speak to body parts and they can actually hear me.
0: David Herzog is going to help equip you to have signs and wonders, outrageous signs and wonders. Uh, David, uh, before we get into some of your teaching on the glory, which is uh, just uh, revolutionary for most people, there was a point in your life where you took a quantum leap in walking in God's glory. And it has to do with an association with with someone that I also knew. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, after, I had a, after the six-month revival I had in Paris, France, where it was the longest-running revival, it was awesome, I still felt like I was missing something. And yet I was preaching on the glory, I had seen a measure, and I was so desperate again, I took time off. And I said, God. I'm going to quit this revival because I want something even greater. And I felt the Lord told me to do it. If I would give up the good, I would get the best. So I I gave up the revival, stopped preaching in that six-month revival, sought the Lord. God, I'm so desperate. And he told me to go to several places. And one of them was Ruth Heflin, to meet with Ruth Heflin at her camp. And something new would happen to me. And again, I've been seeking the Lord and praying and fasting, just hungry. And I went up there walked in, and she had heard about me by this time. She had heard about the revival in France. And she said that 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 revival was an answer to her 40-day fast she had done in France when she was in France years before. And I said to her, well, so honored to meet you. I can't wait to hear you minister tonight in the glory. And she looked at me and said, no, you're going to minister tonight. And I said, no, 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 I'm really hungry. I'm desperate. I want what you have. I don't want what I have. She said, no, the Lord's telling me you need to minister. So I obeyed. She's a prophetess, right? So you obey. So I went up, and I just began to minister, and then suddenly this glory invaded me from heaven that I had never sensed before. And and that's, she knew somehow that if I would get to that pulpit and minister, God would shift my anointing to higher glory. And I sang two chapters of the Bible. I would have this whole sermon prepared, and instead I got so wasted in the glory, I didn't know what I was doing. I was singing my whole message, basically.
0: And- had you ever done anything like that before?
1: No, because it wasn't planned. I did get up there, and I said, what am I doing? And I was so full of joy and glory, and I began singing Isaiah 60 and 61, and it was crazy. And then at that moment, um, signs and wonders began to hit people. Um, Of course, the gold dust, I was covered in gold dust, and so were other people.
0: Now, when you say covered in gold dust, I've seen the gold dust on, on people, but I've also seen some people that were really covered in gold dust do you really mean covered
1: Oh, not hundred percent. I know people that have been really covered. We can't even see their face. Right. it wasn't it wasn't like that it wasn't like some people we've seen, but it was ton... I mean my face was full of gold dust and my hands, and then people were getting it, and then healings were just flowing, even deliverances were happening effort the thing everything was effortless. it was just effortless it's almost like you would just think it and it would start happening.
0: now once you get into that gear. Do you stay in it, or 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 do you slip back and then you have to do something to get back to that being able wherever you minister for the glory to come?
1: It depends. Once you've had that realm, once you've got in there, it's like a muscle. Your your spirit remembers how to get back there. It's like weightlifting. If some guys weightlift in high school, they'll stop for ten years, and when they go back, it, within a few days they could bench what took them three years to bench. So your spirit man has a memory. So. Like Once I hit that realm, I was like that for about three full days, and then it subsided a little bit when I went back to Arizona for a little bit to see relatives and family. But as soon as I started, sometimes you don't realize it's on you. You're praying every day like you used to pray. I notice this right now is I'll pray every day, and I feel the glory, but I don't realize how strong the glory is on me. I'll go to the grocery store, and someone will just get knocked out in the spirit, an unsaved person, and they're like, who are you? What is this thing around you? So sometimes you're used to a certain level, and you don't even realize what's on you.
0: Uh, what, what do you—I mean, I ask people this often, because I'm curious—what is a normal prayer time for you? What do you do during your normal prayer time?
1: Yeah, The first thing I do is praise and worship God. I, I just I found a secret that when you praise and worship, that attracts the presence of God— and usually you
0: now, 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 do you usually play music, or not necessarily, uh, when you praise and worship God?
1: I used to do it without music, a cappella, just go out in the mountains and pray. Now, now I have, you know, there's such good music out there that I'll use a lot of time just different praise and worship. But the secret I found is, mostly, which we learned from Ruth Heflin, is you praise first. You do the fast. Normally, you break through praise songs, and then once there's a point you don't feel like shouting and dancing, you go into intimate, slow worship songs. And that, right, that pattern, praise, then worship, brings in the presence and the glory gets thicker and thicker and thicker. Then I'll begin to, decree. I don't just ask God for things, I'll decree things that he's already told me. Lord, you said this, so I declare that this is happening now.
0: But, but you don't do that until the glory realm hits your presence, am I right?
1: Well, yeah, I always explain it this way. If you went to the bank to ask for a loan and the loan officer was late and you're sitting in a chair with an empty chair in front of you, you're not going to start talking to the chair in front of you and say, well, I, I'm in a hurry, so here's my request. It's smarter to wait till the presence of the person you want to talk to is there before you talk to them.
0: And, and once that presence is there, which comes from your worship, you then proclaim things God has told you, or just things that you see promises in the Word?
1: Uh, both. Most people have certain things that they feel God's told them for their destiny, or uh, or day-to-day things, or... And they're always like, Lord, please do this that you said you would do. And I found that actually that's not the best way to pray, begging, because, you know, God, we're not beggars, so he doesn't answer those as well. But we're kings. So king rules by decreeing things. So I just, I would say, Lord, I know you said this, so I decree in Jesus' name that this nation opens up or these souls be saved or this government, this president that you told me I have a word for, that the door will open. I declare it to be open now. And I notice when I do that, angels, they just, they take off and start working it out. So you decree things that you already know God told you, or, or, and it's usually backed by the Word. It's got to be backed by the Word of God, or just if you're sick in your body. I, I don't as much, if you ever get attacked with sickness, I don't as much ask God to heal me as I do command my body to be healed. Because Jesus already said he, he paid the price to heal us. So I don't need to ask him, would you please heal me? He already wants to. You just go straight for the healing.
0: Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you, like, talk to your body? Is that what you do when when the body needs healing? Totally. Yeah. So so it's not a prayer, you actually are talking to your body. You're saying, "Body, get in line." <laughs> I mean, do you ever get really rough with it with your words? <laughs> yeah. I and mean, what would you do if your body had diabetes? Well, how would you handle it? What would you do? Say.
1: Oh, I would get in I would get in the presence of God's glory and I would speak to my blood and I would say, "I and I would take communion, and when you take communion, you can tap into the DNA of God's blood, of Jesus' bloodline. I said, I tap into the bloodline of Jesus, and I would say, "Take this is my body, this is my blood, Jesus said. And it says, too, that those who do this will never die, so I tap into the resurrection life, and, and you start decreeing. And get, I would worship, get in the glory, speak to the body, take communion, and ask for my blood to be completely resurrected with the blood of Jesus and that's a whole another teaching on the DNA of God. But that's what I would do every day until that thing
0: broke. Tell me one person that was dead that came to life by a proclamation in the glory.
1: I was in Africa preaching in a crusade, and I got up to speak. And the Lord said to me, I want you to announce that there's a woman that's come from the hospital. Her daughter was dying when she left the hospital, but announced that she's already dead. And I said, Lord, that's so hard to say. He says, just do it. You'll know why later. So I announced, is there anybody here that came from the hospital, your daughter's dying? A woman comes up, that's me, that's me. I said, well, unfortunately, the Lord told me to tell you that she's dead. And she begins weeping and wailing. And then I said, now what, Lord? He said, now raise her back from the dead. Command her to come back from the dead. I said, but I'm in the crusade. He said, there's no distance in my glory. Just like the Roman centurion told Jesus, just speak and my servant will be healed. So I began to point towards the direction of the hospital. I asked him, which direction is it? And I just began to command her spirit to come back in her body. And then kept preaching and had a great crusade and a lot of salvations and miracles. She gets back and the doctor said to her, "When you we told you not to leave, ma'am, that you would miss her dying. You would miss seeing your daughter go. And when you left, she died. But at a certain hour, which is the hour I was declaring it to come back in, the, the sheet began to move. They had covered her with a sheet and they look and she had come back from the dead.
0: Are we going to be seeing more and more dead coming back to life as we get closer to the return of Jesus?
1: Oh, not only are we going to see more dead, we're going to—it's going, to, going to go into mass resurrections, just like healing used to be one-on-one healing. Then we heard about mass healings or mass deliverances.
0: So, so someone's going to go into the morgue, and the guy's going to go out of the business of uh, the morgue business.
1: Yeah, then one guy will probably just start preaching.
0: <laughs> it reminds me of some people uh, I, I've interviewed have gone to deaf schools in Africa, and every deaf person gets their hearing back. I often wonder what does the school do?
1: <laughs> what they do is they take on they learn how to heal the heal the sick, and they just go to all the, and they just they just make their ministry healing all the sick people around the world.
0: Okay, Mishpocha, it's time since God is not a respecter of persons. For you to walk in everything God has for you. Remember David as a young man said, God, there's got to be something more. Some of you have prayed that prayer. That's why David has written his revised book called Glory Invasion in which he's going to tell you what the glory is. How your finances, miracles, creative miracles can be increased in the glory how you can minister in the glory, how to be a carrier of the glory, how to remove all the limits uh, in your life so that you 'll be able to operate in the glory how to pray from your heavenly seat. what a revelation that alone's worth the book uh, we're making the book plus two CDs of David proclaiming blessings in the glory over you for a gift of $30. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, one 447 2697 David Herzog, uh, you always wondered a question. I want you to answer that question today. How did God make something out of nothing?
1: Awesome question. I found this out that basically he really didn't make everything. He didn't make anything out of nothing. He made it out of something, but it's invisible. So there's invisible things that are things, but you just can't see them. Because I always thought, how could he make something out of nothing? How do I explain that in my class in high school? They'll mock me. They'll, how to, I don't even understand it. And one day God said to me, well, no, actually, I use invisible ingredients to make visible substance. The two ingredients that are invisible that God used, if you look in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Number one, the spirit, or you can say the presence or the glory, began moving over the waters. So you can't see the wind. You can't usually see the spirit of God or the presence of God, but it's a real substance. And then the second thing he created he puts sound. You can't see sound, but it's a real solid object. Scientists confirm so, sound is solid like a, like a rock, but it's just small. And when sound and glory come together, it creates visible substance, like a laser, light, and sound. So when you get in God's glory, which it's invisible for most people, and then you speak a word of knowledge that God shows you, that's also invisible. Those two invisible substances, when they bond together, creates visible miracles like in the glory i'll say oh there's a lot of body parts floating around this place in the name of jesus i declare uh, tumors go or weight loss or and as i'm saying that my invisible word will attach itself to in, to that body part that i see in the glory realm that's invisible and when it attaches suddenly you can see it you can see the gold tooth you can see the hair growing so basically when you're in the glory your body parts there in the glory but to extract it from the invisible to the visible realm, many times it's a faith or word of knowledge will do that. Inside every body part, there's atoms. Inside the atoms, if you go smaller and smaller, it's a sound wave. That sound wave in every body part has the ability to hear and respond to human voice commands. The Bible talks about that. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. He spoke to wind and waves. And scientists have confirmed it recently that they'll speak to water particles or different atoms, subatomic particles. And they'll actually respond to even a scientist, how much more us that have gods glory and authority and we're saved, we have authority, dominion over even body parts. Uh,
0: In in your book, Glory Invasion, uh, the revised version, you talk about how people are translated in the Bible from one place and they find themselves in another place, or time is compressed. Uh, Someone does a two-hour trip and it takes five minutes. how is that done? And give me one example in your life.
1: Okay. First, how it's done. When you're in the glory, God begins to bend time. So let's say if you had a piece of paper and you took one edge of paper is point A and the other edge of paper is point B. That's your distance of travel. And then above that paper, you can't see the invisible, the air, let's say. That's the glory. In the glory, there's no time. So let's say you're driving your car and you've got a three-hour drive like it would happen to me. And all of a sudden, I'm worshiping, and as I'm worshiping, the glory, the invisible realm, comes on my car. In the glory, there's no time. And point A and point B, if you fold that paper, suddenly become the same location. So in the glory, time is bent. What normally would take three hours can be done in a couple of seconds. Miracles, instantly. Weight loss, you know, what normally would take 30 to lose 30 pounds would take all kinds of exercise and dieting for months. Suddenly, in a split second, they lose 30 pounds. Uh,
0: well, you know, I heard something really outrageous. Uh, you recently spoke at an event that a friend of mine also spoke at, and he checked with the pastor when they took up the offering. Every time they counted the offering, it got bigger. And they said they did it right each time, but it was supernatural. It Was that in the glory?
1: What had happened was, the meeting before that, when the miracles were flowing, I began to decree over the offerings to multiply. I told people to check their purses and people one after the other began coming up and saying I just gave all my money away in the offering and look what happened and money began multiplying in people individual people during the service they kept coming up I told them to come up another person said I gave everything but 2 dollars now I have all these 20s and so that happened during the meetings when we were having the miracles and then at the end of the conference the organizer came and told me what you just told me that you know the money kept more. I, I told the testimony where it happened to us several times, and I think he tried to do the same by faith just to see if it would happen. And I think the, an angel or the Holy Spirit told him, count it again. And he said, Lord, it's so much, I counted it already. So he counted it. And I had, to, I had done that last offering the last night when that thing happened, and something was on that offering. And he kept counting it three or four times, and they kept growing and growing and growing, just like the testimony I had given that happened to me in another crusade that we did. So it's amazing.
0: How- but, but tell me about that one, because I'd like it to happen for our people that are listening right now. So... This power in the testimony. Tell me what happened.
1: Exactly. So I was in Paris, France. I did our first crusade. I don't like to use crusade, but that's what they call it. A large meeting with a lot of people getting saved. Let's call it that. And I I rented a big, big building. It's the same building that like Benny Hinn would use or the Argentinian revivalists or, you know, John Arnott or Morse Cirillo. This is the big building that they rent for these guys when they come to Paris. So I just rented it by myself. The Lord said, do it. Ruth Heffin prophesied it. I gave the guy a check. I said, here's a check. Don't cash it till Monday. I don't recommend you do this, but I did this. This is where I was at the time. And the glory came, and everything was great, miracles, signs, wonders. But by the time we counted the offering, it wasn't enough, not near enough to pay the building. And I had already given a check and I said, Oh my gosh, Lord, I'm in trouble here. I thought you told me to do this. And the Lord said, Well, if I can do miracles by decree, I can do money miracles by decree. The same thing, but aiming at the money. So command so I commanded the money to multiply, then I told the counters. Count it again and, every, and count it several times and keep commanding the money every time you recount it. And I got a call from them and they said, you won't believe. David, we counted it and it doubled. We counted it, it tripled. We counted it, it quadrupled. And then it was more than enough. And then they stopped. I guess they should have kept going. And then we had more than enough to even reserve for the next crusade.
0: What would happen if you pray for money to be multiplied right now? What would happen?
1: God could do it. Especially, here's the secret, though, if they're givers. You know, when you sow, it multiplies. So that's the secret. If you're a giver, it'll multiply.
0: Okay. Someone that has just given some money is listening to us right now. Yes. I would like you to pray that there be a multiplication in the glory.
1: Yes, Lord. I just decree, and I could feel and know this glory around us here, and those who are listening and they've been giving, I decree over that money to multiply supernaturally to appear in even in places they never thought it would, even in their bank accounts, in their wallets. I decree also huge, huge, huge financial miracles involving properties, business contracts. There's someone listening, and they're about to lose their business, but God's about to give them a huge, huge contract. In the, I, I see anywhere between half a million dollars to several million dollars. I just decree that right now, in Jesus' name, properties to sell that they couldn't sell for, the, for a higher price than they thought they would get. And just favor with their jobs. Anything involving finances, I decree supernatural miracles, multiplication, and favor, Father God. We thank you. We release angels that operate in the area of provision over them right now in Jesus' name.
0: And we might as well release the angels that get rid of pain right now because pain of all kinds, especially in the hands, pain in the hands, uh, from carpal tunnel to arthritis in the fingers uh, to, uh, to any of uh, wrist problems, pain in the hands is gone in Jesus' name, and pain in the Back is gone in Jesus' name. In the Please, hip, in the back. Yeah, especially uh, 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 David. If I bet, if you pray for the sacroiliac now, uh, the, 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 it'll go into place. Pray it right now.
1: I command the sacroiliac to go back into place, and I see also the disc in the lower backs, hmm. L three, six, and nine. Those specific yep. ones going right back into place right now in Yeshua's name.
0: Uh, David, you said you have been supernaturally transported in the spirit. Briefly, tell me about that.
1: Oh yeah, several times. Um, one of the famous ones I would like to tell is the one when I was in Paris driving to Belgium, three-hour drive, Friday night. My car breaks down because I put the wrong gas. I put uh, diesel instead of regular, or regular instead of diesel. It was a diesel, so got it towed, got it emptied, got the right gas in. It worked. That was a miracle. But now it's 7.30, and my meeting was half an hour ago, and I have a three-hour drive, so I'm not going to make it. So I call the pastor, and I said, I'm so sorry, I won't make it tonight. I'll come at the end of the meeting by 10.30 or 11, and just greet the people, and I'll continue tomorrow. So I get in the car. I begin worshiping. It's just me and Jesus having a good time. I'm not worried about the traffic because I'm not preaching in my mind. And the glory gets stronger and stronger. I feel lighter and lighter. In 45 minutes of this kind of worshiping, suddenly, in a split second, I'm in Belgium. And I I pull up in front of the church at 8.15. It's impossible in the natural. And this worship is still going on, and the pastor couldn't believe it. He said, how did you get here? Did you take a helicopter? And we realized I had been transported. We looked at it. It's logistically impossible. Even if you were speeding as fast as you could go, you couldn't do it in 45 minutes. It's a three-hour drive. And it was bumper-to-bumper traffic Friday night between the two countries. Um, So that was the first time. Another one was an eight-hour trip across the whole country of France, and we were worshiping. And suddenly, two hours into the trip, we were suddenly there. So again, it didn't take two hours to get transported. It took two hours for us to get into a realm of glory where we could get transported in a split second.
0: Uh, you know, David, so many prophets that are friends of mine are prophesying uh, horrible things that are going to be happening economically and uh, morally and every everything you can imagine in the United States of America. But guess what? Walking in the glory realm and proclaiming what God tells you trumps no matter what's gonna happen in America.
1: Exactly, it, it's your safety net. I mean, imagine if you if you knew something evil was coming your way or someone was coming to get you, or persecution, and God could you had the faith that God could transport you in that split second to another. Whoops,
0: we're out of time. My guest, David Herzog, is red hot for the Messiah, and you're going to be red hot for the Messiah when you find out about the open vision that David had About the end times tell me some of the things that you saw David
1: yeah in the end times coming well we're in the end times but there's tomorrow will be more of an end time Um, what I saw coming was both two different things first I saw of course we know there's gonna be wars rumors of wars famine pestilence that's in the word so that's not a surprise we know there's gonna be earthquakes and all the terrible stuff for in the natural but then, on the flip side of that, it's going to be also the greatest harvest of souls we've ever seen. The only thing I can compare it to, what I saw was, like when Egypt was shaken. For the Egyptians, it was pretty bad. You know, frogs everywhere, they couldn't drink the water, everyone got sick, and then it even got so bad, that all the firstborn were killed. But, for the Israelites, it was the greatest time. They saw the glory cloud like like they've never, had never seen in 500 years. Signs, wonders, miracles, the wealth transfer of of the Egyptians came to the Israelites, they got out of slavery. So what I see coming is, for those who are living in the Spirit, those who are obeying God, not just everyone that's a believer, because the Israelites had to obey, they had to put the blood on the doorpost, they had to eat the lamb. So what I'm seeing is, those who are walking in the Spirit in full obedience, these times that are coming, actually, for them, could be some of the greatest times they've ever seen. Healings, resurrections, now that's when the resurrections are going to increase, because there will be more dead people to, to practice on. But the glory will increase. Even wealth will transfer to believers' hands that are positioning themselves right now in the right way. So everything that can be shaken will be shaken. If you're listening right now and you're a believer, God will shake you. He will test and see where your heart is. Is your heart on your job, on your money, on your security? He'll, he'll test all that. And once you get to just Jesus, just I just want you, God, just whatever your will is for my life. When you get to that point, you're in a safe spot. A lot of believers are still kind of comfortable. You know, they go to church on Sunday, but they're really relying on other things. And a lot of believers have idols in their life. And so God will use. Well,
0: a lot a lot of believers are storing money, storing gold, uh, storing fuel, store, storing food. Uh, uh, will there be food shortages coming soon to America? In your opinion?
1: I, I believe. Oh, I believe there will. I've thought it pretty clearly showed me that. And it's not a surprise. The Lord showed me that. It's in the book, in the Bible.
0: But, but I'm thinking there's something better than storing food. It's called multiplying food.
1: Exactly. Well, this is what I believe. Like, if someone told you on the news tomorrow, for seven, the next seven days there'll be no gas in America, you wouldn't just go, well, I'll just trust God. If you have the money, you'll fill up your gas tank. So if people that know food shortage is coming, it's not wrong to get some food, especially if, but I feel it's going to be more like this. You might store food, which is not bad, but you end up probably giving it to those around you as a witness, but you yourself can believe for supernatural provision. That's how I see it. But, but if you know it's coming, like in the Bible, Agabus, he said there's going to be a famine. The apostles didn't just say, oh, well, we're, we, we got faith. We raised the dead. They immediately took up an offering and got provisions for the poor in Jerusalem that would need it. So I think you, you go according to your faith. Some have faith to buy the food. Some have no money whatsoever to buy food so you can believe God for supernatural provision.
0: Uh, What is God showing you in reference to the Jew in Israel and anti-Semitism?
1: Yeah, what's going to happen is I believe that there will be a major persecution of the Jews in America. It's happened in every other country. And that's one thing we Jewish people seem to forget. History repeats itself. The ones in Germany said, oh, it will never happen. Okay, it's happening a little bit, but they won't go, they won't kill us. So basically, it'll come... And it's already happening in Europe, where people are killing Jewish people, that I think a war could trigger this with Israel and Iran, you know economy crashing. anything could happen, but it's going to come, and I believe Jews will be there's five million Jews in America. Many of them will have to flee back to Israel when they see that they're no longer wanted here, and the economy is in shambles. Many Christians will be used to protect them on their way out. Um, some of them will go to like Native American reservations. Will the Navajos and other tribes will help them? Um, sometimes they'll go through Alaska. There'll be the little refuge places that Jewish people will be able to kind of hide in as they're trying to make their way out of the USA. That's coming. And then, so there's persecution coming to Jewish people and to believers, born in Christians, that are making a difference on, on the earth.
0: Oh, Oh, tell me about when you were in Israel and you got caught up into heaven and Jesus literally thanked you.
1: Yeah, I was in Bethel. And it's amazing when you go to heaven, how it affects earthly things. People think, oh, they'd say when they went to heaven. But if you really do go, things on the earth change very fast for you. So I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm laying down, worshiping, laying on the ground in Bethel. We had our team just kind of lay down, and play some music. And I just told people to close your eyes and see if God takes you up to heaven or to the throne room or get a, or get a vision, not physically, but spiritually take you up. And I closed my eyes, and I suddenly saw myself in At the crystal sea in heaven, there's a sea that looks like glass. It's made of crystals and diamonds. And I saw Jesus' face. I looked in his eyes, fiery eyes, and he looked at me and said, thank you for touching Isaac, my people, the Jewish people. And then then he looked at me and said, would you also touch Ishmael? Would you also help me reach Ishmael, the Muslims? And I said, yes, Lord. Of course, what am I going to say? Second thing he said was, would you organize a conference for me in Jerusalem? So in the vision, I said, yes. When I came back to, you know how you and I kind of think sometimes, well, was that really me? Was that really a vision, or was that just me thinking that? Well, two days later, I get a call. Hey, would you organize a conference in Jerusalem? And we did a conference in Jerusalem. So that was a confirmation. And immediately after that vision, I had so many invitations. Right after, two months later, I was in Muslim countries, Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain, Dubai, Indonesia, and a lot of Muslims have been saved. So you can go to the throne of heaven. You can also go to the courtroom of heaven. And when you do business in heaven, you get earthly results really fast. I've gone to the courts of heaven, someone that owed me a big amount of money, and they kept the money back, and they wouldn't give it back. And, and it was another country on top of it, so I couldn't, there's no way of me getting that money. It's a big, big amount of money. And then I finally went to the courts of heaven. I saw myself in the courtroom. I pled my case. I could hear the accuser of the brethren telling me, no, this and this. And I said, no, the Word of God says this. And I kind of, like, like a lawyer, did business in the courts of heaven, and within 48 hours, all that money was wired back to my account.
0: Now, something that you talk about in your book, and all these areas are amazing things that you explain in your uh, revised edition of your book, Glory Invasion. Uh, but tell me about the Elijah glory.
1: Oh, yes, that's the glory of the end times. Well, the Malachi talks about the spirit of Elijah coming back. You know, it's just the spirit of Elijah would come back, it says, listen to Moses, and the spirit of Elijah turned the hearts of the fathers back to the children, show children back to the fathers. And really, the fathers, I believe, are the Jewish apostles and prophets. He's turning the church back to them. As, we st- as that starts happening, that one new man, I believe in the spirit him it's bringing back the spirit of Elijah. Resurrections. Signs and wonders. In the last days we're going to see, even, I believe, even greater things than Elijah saw. The spirit of Elijah, what did he do? He, he, he did signs and wonders. He resurrections. He spoke into governments. He, he confronted Jezebel. So there's a spirit of Elijah, which is no compromise, but also moves in the supernatural.
0: Well, well I'm reminded that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, uh, and his message was, repent, start living a holy life. So isn't there a—these uh, the, two ingredients are necessary, holiness and the miraculous— the two go hand in hand. They're twins.
1: Holiness is the a, is a basic for the glory of God. If you're not living holy, if there's sin in your life, the enemy is going to see the open door, and he will slam you so hard, you won't be able to move in the glory very long. So, you know, to have the glory, if my people call by my name, will humble themselves, pray, repent, turn from their wicked ways, then God opens the heavens, heals the land. So that's, you're right, that's a 101 basic, and yet it's, it's 101, but we need to keep hearing it. Because in the last days, many hearts grow cold, many fall into sin, many ministers that moved in healing or deliverance or had a great gift, maybe not always the glory, but gifting can still fall back into sin, so we need that message to be straight for the last days.
0: Now, now you're speaking about the, the miracles that are coming. You're getting a foretaste of it right now. Uh, tell me about the people who have metal inserted in their body that's turning to bone.
1: Yeah, many, many, many meetings we've been in. Um, God will give me a word of knowledge. And metals, rods. We had one lady, she had her legs, she couldn't bend one of her legs because it was a straight metal rod going right through her leg. And I didn't know. And I just said, in Jesus' name, I command metals to turn back to bone. And then this lady suddenly started to be able to jump up and down, bend her legs. So the bone or the metal was gone, and it turned back to bone that could bend.
0: There's so much glory here that you could release that right now metal to bone. Pray that.
1: But I just decree it right now for people that are listening. I commend metals, pins, uh, screws that the doctors put in their bodies to disappear or turn back to bone in Jesus' mighty name, in Yeshua's name. I just declare even I see tumors disappearing off people. I see a brain tumor. I commend that to disappear in Yeshua's name. Heart transplant, stints in their hearts. I decree healing over people's heart conditions right now, recreative miracles. In fact, any kind of miracle you need, lay your hand on your body, and I just release an angel of mass healing and miracles right now in Yeshua's name. And I declare even everyone listening, there'll be just a mass flood of healings right now. Just send, Lord, just millions of angels out to people right now, healing angels from the throne of God, We just decree new teeth, gold teeth, hair, miracles, people with no hair, hair growing on their head, white hair turning black, instant weight loss miracles, people on, a, on their deathbed, those who have terminal cancer that only have months to live. We just decree resurrection power over your body. I,
0: I want everyone walking in this glory invasion. That's the name of this revised book by David Herzog. We're making that and his special two CDs in which he proclaims God's blessings over you in the glory, available for a gift of $30. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming mishpocha or Khalitzim, write to me, Sidroth, Post Office Box 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast... Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.